right, so Luke chapter 16, I want you to notice verse 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also on much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also on much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No man can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So I want you to notice that statement there about he that is faithful in least is faithful in much. And we've all heard a lot of preaching on this over the years. This is a very important verse about just being faithful in the little things as well as the big things because they're all very important to God. All those things matter to God. And this message I want to preach, I think it's a very important message. And I want to say too, it's kind of a preventative maintenance message because um, I don't really think we need this right now, but we're going to need it at some point. And I personally, I always try to, you know, ask the Lord, you know, give me the sermons that we really need, that people need to hear before I can get accused of sniping somebody, you know, and that's, that's what I always hope just in case, because I don't like, I don't want to snipe people from the pulpit. I don't, I don't like doing that. I don't like confronting people. Uh, it's just, it's not in my nature to want to do that. And so, um, but I, I just, I know we're going to need this at some point, but you know, this, cause you know, our church, I do think we have a very exciting church. Uh, you know, we have a lot of action in our church. There's always excitement. There's always somebody going on. There's always somebody attacking us. You know, we're always attacking somebody. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of activity here. We do a lot of fun stuff. Uh, you know, we have people that are fun to be around. And so, uh, you know, church is, it's pretty easy for me to come to. I mean, I hope everybody enjoys coming to church as much as I enjoy coming to church. I like to think I'm not the only one, uh, you know, having a good time. I enjoy the singing. I, I like the song service and I just, I'm, I'm fired up to be here. Nobody's got to make me be here. I don't have to just drag myself out of the bed. Uh, that's not the way it is, but you know what? There's going to be days when that's exactly how you're going to feel. There's going to be days when you don't feel like being here. You don't feel like getting around God's people. You're not going to feel like going out soul winning. And I do. I think we have a very good participation rate. Not that I even keep numbers on those things, but when it comes to just, you know, the, you know, uh, attendance and services, you know, people that go soul winning, you know, I think we're doing good uh, in a lot of these areas. But what often happens in an action-packed church like ours is, you know, you have that person, they come, they're all hyped, they're all, you know, they're all excited about the excitement, but then, as soon as the excitement wears off, they're gone, you know, and you have those uh, Christians, they're all there and involved in the big days when all the excitement's there, but when it's just normal time, you can't find them. And what I like to call these people, and this is the title of my sermon today, it's, I call them spiritual adrenaline junkies, okay? Now, how many know what an adrenaline junkie is, okay? How, do we have any adrenaline junkies in here, all right? Brother Sean, I know you're an adrenaline junkie. You, He's gone, you've been skydiving, haven't you? Okay, and you know, and listen, I'm not against adrenaline junkies. I personally think they're awesome. I'm, I'm just not one, I, you know, when I was younger, I probably would have done some of those things, but I'm just, I'm scared now. You know, I, I see the thought of skydiving makes me dizzy. You know, the thought, and you see these things people do. Have you ever seen those flying squirrel people that, you know, wear those suits? And I see that stuff and that would be so awesome. But I will never do it. <laughs> you just, not, I'm not going to do it. So, I, and I'm not against anything like that. But 
when it comes to um, adrenaline junkies, you know, so just like a drug junkie, you know, he, they start with those little things, but they always kind of need more and more to get that fixed until eventually they end up ODing or something, right? And then you have the, you know, the adrenaline junkie. Sometimes he's always just got to get a bigger, better thrill until finally one day, you know, they just kill themselves, you know, because uh, they were doing something crazy. And the truth is, we also have spiritual adrenaline junkies who they're always looking for that new, big, exciting thing. And sometimes they get so crazy with stuff. You know what they end up doing? They end up burning out. They end up trying to just do things that are not sustainable. You know, your body is just not made to take in all these drugs and things that people are taking. Eventually, it's just going to kill you. And some people, they try, you know, just getting involved with, you know, when it comes to excitement and all that, that it just eventually they do, they burn out as Christians. They're not in it for the long term. And that's what I want to be. I want to be the long-term Christian. I want to be somebody that's doing things for God now, but I also want to be doing, I want to be doing things for God in the future. I want to be doing something 20 years from now. And I don't want to be that one that just kind of gets burnt out and that's just doing amazing things for a little while and then all of a sudden just gone, not doing anything. And you know, and what I don't want to do today, I don't want to stop anybody, you know, from seeking spiritual thrills and action. Okay, nobody loves a good conference more than I do. You know, it's a lot of fun going to a conference and there's hundreds of people there. You're all on the same page and, you know, and, and you maybe even when you have a theme or something, you know, we, ha- you know, we had the marching design conference. We're all there preaching against the Jews, you know, and it was, it was exciting, you know, or a soul winning conference where you have hundreds of people and hundreds of people are going out soul winning. You know, it's easy to go soul winning at a soul winning conference with hundreds of people going out soul winning. But, you know, it's not that easy, you know, if you're in a smaller church, there's only a few people. But, you know, it's just as important. In fact, it's probably more important in that situation because, you know what, those two or three people in that small church going out soul winning, they're probably, hopefully they're going to keep doing it forever. Where a lot of people that come to the soul winning conferences, that's the only time they do anything. You know, it's easy to go to church at the conferences when everybody's there. But what about every Sunday? What about every Wednesday? What about all these other services? We need people being faithful in all these things. We don't want to just be that person that's there for all the big things. I, I talked on the phone one time with a guy who is definitely one of these spiritual adrenaline junkies. And he's one, you know, people always ask, Pastor Tommy, are you preaching against me? He doesn't go to this church, but if he called me up and said, were you preaching against me? I tell him, man, this is exactly what I was pre- I'm preaching against. People like you. And I've told, I told this guy, he's one, he go, you know, he, he used to just go to like every soul winning marathon all over the country, always all over the country at soul winning marathons. He'd go to the big conferences at every big thing. He's visiting all these different churches, but he can't be consistent and faithful in one church. And, you know, he was trying to figure out where to go. To I, I just told him, to listen, I said, you need to go to just a regular, steady, partially dead old IFB church. <laughs> I said, that's what you need. Because I said, you know what, those, they have their problems, but at least those people are consistent. You have no consistency in your life. I said, you need to go somewhere and you need to get stable. You need to go, you need to get a job and actually keep that job for a while. You need to do something consistent in your life. You can't just keep going all over the country seeking, you know, spiritual thrills everywhere. You have to be consistent. And because this, this life that you're trying to live, that's not something a normal Christian can do. 
Hey, and if your situation too, where you're able to do a lot of that stuff, that's fine. But you know, like you know, there, there's a big difference between two, you know, when you're single and you don't have a wife and kids, and then when you are married and have kids too. And I've known some guys too that are husbands and have a bunch of kids, and yet they're still all over the place doing all these things, and then they wonder why their marriage is falling apart. It's like, no, you actually need to focus on these things. I, I get it. It's a lot of fun at the conferences. It's a lot of fun at the big events. But you need to learn how to live life. You need to learn how to do the things that really matter, the things that are important in the long term. You know, who cares if you're going out and you're getting these other people saved? You're not even getting your own family saved. You know, we've got to make sure we have our priorities right on these things. And so I'm not trying to stop you. By all means, if you get an opportunity to do something and go get your batteries recharged and get excited, by all means, go do it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm for it. I do that kind of thing every chance I get. But always make sure we stay faithful in the little things too. Don't be that guy that only goes soul winning at the big events and you never go soul winning in your own church. And I've, I've talked to pastors like that too. I talked to a pastor one time. He had a guy in his church that was wanting to host this big soul winning thing, you know, for the new IFB. And it turned out this guy doesn't even go soul winning in his own church. The pastor told me, he's like, he never even goes soul winning here. And it just, you know how bad that aggravated me? You know, you come, he acts to me like he's this big, hardcore soul, soul, soul winner and doesn't even go with his own church. Shouldn't be hosting some kind of event like that. That's ridiculous. You go be faithful in your church first. Oh, there's hardly anybody that goes out. But somebody's going out and you need to go and you need to help that succeed. And too many people, they're just looking for the thrills. They're looking for the fun. They're looking for the excitement. You know, they'll go soul winning when they can make a YouTube video about it, announcing the soul winning event that's coming up and they can recruit a bunch of people, but they're not going to do it when they're just doing it by themselves and nobody's paying attention to them. That is not good. That is not right. You do not want to be that person. You will not be around for the long term. And so the thing is, you know, how can you know if you're that faithful Christian or if you're just the spiritual adrenaline junkie? And so the first thing is, you know, are you faithful in everything you do? Okay. Are you faithful in everything you do? Rome, uh, Numbers 12:7 says, My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him I will speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And this multitude of the Lord shall be, he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Notice here in this story, you've got a group of people that are working against Moses. And God points out, listen, this guy is faithful. That's the thing God points out. That's one of the main things God will point out about people. He's faithful in all my house. You know what God said? He said, I'm going to speak to Moses unlike I do other people. You know why? Because he's faithful. He's somebody I can count on. He's somebody that I can trust. You know, Moses wasn't just the superstar that did the big things. And Moses did some big things. Moses was somebody who was faithful. He did the little things too. He was obedient in the little things, you know, whosoever will do and keep the least commandments shall be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Moses was that kind of person. And those who are going to be greatly used of God are just those who have proved that they can be counted on. And there's a lot of people today that they want to be used in a church. But at the same time, you can't count on, them. you know, that and there's people too, often who go to churches that are very talented that are, they have, I mean, very gifted in certain areas. I mean, they are really good at what they do, 
And then, but then they often wonder why they don't get used more in the church. And let me just tell you, as somebody who's been pastoring for a long time and been involved in church leadership for over, for over 20 years now, I'll tell you why. It's because you can't count on them. I mean, who cares? You know, I mean, you know, Brother Daniel, if he, when he's trying to line up special music and stuff, who cares how talented that one musician or that singer is if half the time when he is counting on them to do a special, they decide not to show up that day. That's frustrating. Let me just start talking about when I was a choir director at the old church again. And just you had all these no-shows all the time. I, I just get triggered when I start thinking about that stuff. I was talking about the other day how sometimes I'd be sitting up on the platform. The choir set would sit up there until they sang their special. And I'd be sitting there. The choir's behind me. I'm looking out in the audience and I'm seeing choir members sitting in the pews. And I wasn't the pastor. I can't be the jerk to run these people off and stuff. I would just, I, I should have probably been meaner than I was. That would make me furious. And it's like, why weren't you up there? Oh, I didn't really like that song. <laughs> Let me tell you something about this choir. Okay. You should sing the songs you like and the songs you don't like. We don't have these things just so you can come and have fun singing. And I enjoy singing. You all understand that? I enjoy singing it's a lot of fun for me, but you know what? It's not just about me having fun. It's about me ministering to the congregation. It's about me. So it's about me being supportive of those who are in leadership in that area. It's about me being a team player. And that means I'm going to sing when it's the songs I like. I'm going to sing when it's the songs I don't like. I'm going to be supportive on both ends. That's the way you should do these things. That's the way you should be if you're going to participate in something like that. And if you can't be counted on, then don't be surprised when you don't get used. If half the time when we sing a choir special, you're not up here for it, don't be surprised when Brother Daniel doesn't want to ask you to do the solo. Because the last thing he wants to do is have come time for solo and then the soloist isn't there. And I'm telling you, I've dealt with things like that. It's really frustrating. And you know who the last person is I want to pick for anything? Is that person. Because you can't count on them. I get it. They're talented. They're good at what they do. But if you can't count on them, nobody wants to use them. And you know, God's not going to use you either. God wants people that are faithful. We see in Genesis 18, verse 19, God's speaking about Abraham here. And he says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. God chose Abraham to be the man that he would raise up a nation with. And God said, here's why I'm going to pick it. I'm picking Abraham because I know him. You know what? He will command his children. He will tell them. He will command them to do the things that I told him to do. And so because of his faithfulness of Abraham, because I can count on him, I'm using him. And in, the, in this particular situation, God says, you know what? I'm going to tell him what's going on with Sodom and Gomorrah too. I'm going to let him know what I'm planning on doing. You know why? Because Abraham's a faithful guy. Abraham's somebody that I can count on. And, and we do. We have people who they, they want to be involved when it's exciting. They want to be involved when it's fun. But when it's going to be challenging, when it's going to be difficult, when long suffering is involved, when patience is involved, when all those things are involved, when real work is involved, you know what? You can't find them. You can't find them. Oh, well, these songs that we sing in the choir, these songs are easy. I got it figured out. Everybody else is the one that needs the practice. You know, I'm going to skip the practices. I'll be there for the performance. No. Listen, the good singers help the rest of us. 
They help all of us. You know, we need that. We need the good singers there so we can follow along and learn how to do the part. Okay? So if you're that hot shot and you don't need, you can just look at the music and you can get up and you can perform it great. It doesn't mean you still shouldn't be there for practice. Okay? Be faithful in these things. And I can say these things now. I'm not the one leading this stuff. So I did. I just, when I think about the choir, I start getting the twitches and getting triggered again. I'm going to beat you all up for all the things that other people did. And, uh, but I'm, I'm telling you, faith, you, you need to be faithful in everything you do. You need to be faithful in little things. If you're not going, I mean, if, if, if we give you some small thing to do in the church and you do a sorry job or you just don't get it done, why would we give you a bigger thing to do? And so many people who just, and, and there's a lot of people too, I've known, they're always waiting for that big thing. They're always waiting for, you know, to, you know the, I knew a guy one time, he wanted to be an assistant pastor in the church, but that was like all he wanted to do. He literally didn't want to do anything else. He didn't go soul winning. He wasn't involved in the bus routes. He didn't, he didn't do anything except fill the pew and wanted to be an assistant. You know, it was his desire to be an assistant pastor. Sorry, we've got a bunch of people that are actually doing things that we can count on that are faithful. Guess what? We're going to use them first. And and so make sure you're faithful in everything you do. You're faithful in those things. You know what? God's going God's to use you. So another thing you need to ask yourself is, are your priorities right? This is another important thing. All right? Matthew 23 and verse 23 it says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which was within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful, outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so ye outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. All these things that Jesus is mentioning, he's mentioning areas where the Pharisees, they specialized, where they were actually very good, but it basically in, in God's eyes, he said, who cares because you're horrible in these other areas. You've got your priorities all backwards. There's nothing wrong with taking a gnat out of your cup but when you have a camel, what's the point? And you do. I mean, you know, it's, it's okay. It's not wrong to have a whited sepulcher and that appears beautiful. But at the end of the day, let's remember, it's full of dead men's bones. And that's great. I'm glad you look good on the outside, but you're wicked on the inside. Great. You're paying your tithes on every little thing that you get, but you don't have judgment. You don't have mercy. You don't have any faith. You should tithe, but you know what? These other things are actually more important. And often we have people who they really specialize in one area. They're strong in one area, but they're lacking big time in other areas. Their priorities are all wrong. And it is a bad testimony if you're a superstar in one area that doesn't really matter while a failure in really important areas. It's like, you know, congratulations, you know, you're right on salvation, but you're just a wicked person. I mean, yeah, you got the right doctrine, but you're horrible to your wife. 
You're a sorry father. You're immoral. Great. I'm thankful for eternal security. But you take advantage of that eternal security like nobody else. You know what? You're a bad testimony. And so many people, that's just kind of how they are. They don't have their priorities right. It's like they do. They specialize in one area. It's like the people, all the people that you find that are just obsessed with the reprobate doctrine. That that's like the focal point, the most important thing. Okay, girls, if you ever date a guy and one of the first things he asks you is your position on the reprobate doctrine, run. Okay? <laughs> just, just run, even if he's right. Okay? There are so many more important things. That shouldn't even make it on, on the conversation on the first date. But, but often it does. And you do. And you find these people, they beat everybody up because they're wrong on some of these things. Because they're wrong on the Jews or something like that. But they're wrong on literally every other area. And it just, it, it blows my mind. Just more and more, these people, who they are, man, they just seem like this, you know, some people are falling for it, like this superstar, hardcore Christian. I mean, they are so, they have taken a strong stand. They are always ready to just fight somebody when it comes to areas. And they're often right in those areas, but they're also majorly wrong in other areas. And it just makes you look like a hypocrite. You can't be that way. And you know, there's preachers that are like that too. They'll get up and they'll preach so hard and they are so strong against certain sins while they have major sin in their life. You know what? That's very off-putting. You know, you are, you're making good positions look bad when you're like that. And it's like, great. You know, you stand strong in these areas. But you know, who cares if you're a thief? Who cares if you're just if you're just a wicked person and yet you're you're right on these certain doctrines? You know what? I would rather the wicked people be wrong on the good doctrines. You know, that way they're not making us look bad. But often they do. They end up making us look bad. We cannot be that way. Said, you know, you're you're like that guy too. And you I've seen these guys, I've known a lot of these guys over the years. You have like these young guys they're you know, usually like shacking up with the girl. You know, they got kids all over the place. And they're like real proud of their physique because they're in good shape. But then they also don't have jobs. You know, they're living with their girlfriend who's supporting them. You know, they're able to get fed because she's got all this welfare coming in. And so he's able to spend plenty of time in the gym. And then they act like they're all superior because they're in good shape. But it's like, you know what? Who cares if you're in good shape and you're just a worthless human being? You literally are being supported by a woman that's not even your wife. I mean, how do you get, how do you really get any lower than that? But you know what? They got bigger biceps. You know, they got the six pack abs or whatever. You know, who cares if you're, you know what? I have more respect for the guy who, you know, works a physical job, takes care of his family, has got a lot of stress. So when he gets home, he just wants to comfort himself with a little extra food and ice cream and soda and things like that. And so, you know what? He doesn't have the physique. And you know, but he's a good husband, he's a good provider, he's a good father to his kid. Yeah, he's got the dad bod, but he's also a good dad. That's better. You all understand that? But you do. You have people that are out there that have these good physiques, and yet they will look down on the guy with the dad bod who actually takes care of his family, who is actually a responsible person. You know what? I have no respect for people like that. They do not impress me at all. If you're not fulfilling your obligations, if you're not doing the things that every man should do, I don't respect you just because you know you have a good physique or something like that. 
And so what people often do, that is you outwardly, you have this appearance of something good. And so you have people too, and you see them out there on social media too. On the outward, they're always portraying how strong they are in certain areas. Look at how harsh this post I just made against the Sodomites was. I must be a good Christian because look how much I hate them. You know, look how harsh I was. I got banned from Facebook because of what I said about them. Therefore, I must be a good, hardcore Christian. But at the end of the day, they're not. At the end of the day, great. I'm glad you're right in that area. But can you get these other areas right first? Can you actually do something for God? Can you actually be faithful to church? Can you actually be a good husband? Can you actually be an honest citizen? Can you actually have some morals in your life? Can you actually show some faithfulness first? That's the more important thing. But you know what? Those things don't get attention, do they? You know, the, the, you know, the posts on verses about faithfulness or posts about faithfulness, about being a good father and, and the things that we all actually need, those don't get you strikes on YouTube. Those don't get you banned, you know, send you to Facebook jail and things like that. But we want the excitement, don't we? We want the action. So we're going to go out there, and I'll, I'm all for doing that stuff, all right? I've, I've done a few stretches in Facebook jail, all right? And I intend to do some more in the future. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that doesn't really prove anything. And it, while, while it might give you a little element of excitement, at the end of the day, it doesn't make you a good Christian. It doesn't make you a faithful person. And we need to make sure we focus on these things, too, because, you know, understand this, too. You know, your lost family members and things, and even just worldly Christians, they're getting brainwashed by all this stuff in the news. And if you're out there, and you have these guys too, they're out there bashing the sodomites all the time while they themselves are immoral. Oh, great, you're against the sodomites, but you cheated on your wife. You got your girlfriend pregnant. You're not taking care of your kids. You know what? You're not impressing anybody when you do that. You're a Pharisee. You got something on the outside right, but within you're full of dead men's bones. You know what? Why don't you fix that first? Why don't you actually go do something, be something good, something decent, something that somebody can look up to, and then go bash somebody? But until then, you know, just get your act together. It's very off-putting. So, and, um, so, and it's, it's very easy these days, too, if you're really good at one thing, you can get some kind of following on social media. You know, if you're just, if, if you're a very talented, uh, you, know, you know, let's just say you're a very talented singer, okay? Everybody loves singers, right? You know, you could get a following on social media, you know, because people like listening to that kind of thing. And a lot of people just, they think because somebody has a following, that must mean they're successful. But no, it's, it, it doesn't prove you're successful. And many people are out there they're good singers or something. They get some attention, so everybody automatically gives them some kind of respect. But the thing is, they have just major, major problems in their life. And, you know, we ought to be looking towards people who are, are balanced. And we should strive to be somebody that's the whole package. And in the Christian world, some people often get lifted up because they get a lot of attention. But it's just because of that one area. You know, there's people I pay attention to just because they're crazy. It's just like... You know, I, if somebody's going to go crazy on the sodomites, you know, I kind of want to watch that. You know, it, it's enjoyable. 
uh, to see. It's enjoyable to watch. And you have that guy, too, that's, that you follow on, on Facebook or something that's always just getting in these crazy fights with people. And it's just hard not to, not to look away from that, isn't it? You know, we, we probably shouldn't. We're probably encouraging these people uh, many times. But that's why a lot of people are being followed today. It's not, I, it's not that I'm looking to this person for guidance and that I want to follow them. It's just they're entertaining. You know, who are they going to get in a fight with this week? And the thing is, in the Christian world, people often get lifted up because they have that following, because they're talented in one area, they're a good singer, maybe they're a good orator, but often they are really bad Christians. And you know what? God is not pleased with that. God is not impressed. You are not impressing God with how strong you are in the reprobate doctrine when you just divorced your wife. Okay? You know, he, he doesn't care. Great, you took a strong stand against gay marriage, but you've been married four times. I mean, just God's not impressed with that. God's not impressed with that. Try to be balanced. Be faithful in the little things, not just the big, not just the big things. So the third thing, you know, are you finding contentment and fulfillment with what you do? Because see, that's why that that spiritual adrenaline junkie, he's always got to go to the next thing. He's always got to do the bigger thing because they're not satisfied. They're not content, just like the druggie. They always got to go to the stronger drug because it just, it doesn't, the one that they were doing just doesn't satisfy them anymore. Okay. I've never done drugs, but I do believe there's such a thing as gateway drugs. I don't think it's a coincidence that we've got a, a generation today that is just infiltrated with drugs. And when you had that generation that's there today that grew up being given drugs to control their behavior, I think it developed a taste for those things. And then you see that it just continues growing into uh, you know, greater and greater things. And you have all these people ODing. I don't, I don't think these things are a coincidence. But again, once you start on that stuff, a lot of times you just can't find contentment anymore. Well, the thing is, while it's good for us to be around the things of God, to be soul winning and to do all these spiritual things that we talk about, you know, we sh- it should be bringing us fulfillment and contentment. And if you don't have those things, there's something wrong. In Proverbs 10.22, says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. A lot of people think, if I just get a certain amount of money, I'll be content and I'll be happy. And then you know what they do? They get it, and they're not happy. They're not satisfied. But you know that person who is balanced, that person who is doing what God wants them to do, they're blessed by God, and they feel like they're rich with what they have. That when I when I was growing up, I did not know that we were poor. I had no I had no idea that we were. I, I thought we were wealthy. It was, that was just what I thought because we had what we needed. We were happy. You know, we did a lot of things, but you know, we were. You know, I I think I was a teenager before I learned we weren't rich. You know, and I think it's because we did. We had we had a happy household. And there are many people today who have great riches, but they also have great sorrow. And it's not the sorrow or the riches that made them sorry. It's the fact that they're out of the will of God. It's the fact that they're lacking somewhere in their life. And we've got to understand contentment, it comes from the Lord. It does not come from things. And it doesn't come from events. It doesn't come from fun and all that kind of stuff. Psalms 106 verse 13, talking about the children of Israel, says they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. God was giving them what they needed with manna, but they said, we want flesh to eat. 
But then it says, and he gave them their request, but sent leanness to their souls. God gave Israel what they wanted, but God would not let them have contentment. God would not let it satisfy them because satisfaction, contentment, fulfillment, all of those things come from God. And so many people today in the world, they're looking for just some kind of fulfillment and they're looking to drugs. They're looking to alcohol. They're looking to money. They're looking to all these worldly things. And sometimes even Christians, we, in seeking for that contentment and fulfillment, we go, we do, we go looking for it in the excitement, in the fun. We'll find it at the big conference. And you do, you go to that big conference with hundreds of people. It is, it's real exciting. But then it's like, you know, great, you're content there, but you should be content in your church too. You should be content in a smaller church where it doesn't have that kind of thing. But a lot of people, they can't get it there. It's like, no, I, I need that action. I need that excitement. And you know what? Those people always end up burning out too. They always end up burning out. And you, you, uh, you need to understand contentment comes from God. And in reality, it's not a great accomplishment to have contentment and satisfaction. Because it's not because of the fact, and when I say that, it's not an accomplishment of your own because it comes from Christ. It's Christ that gives it to us. We are dependent on Him for it. If you are content, if you are fulfilled, it's because of Christ. In Philippians 4.11, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry and to abound and to suffer need. Now, we all know this next verse. And I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We all know that verse. and We apply it for a lot of things. But one of the, what Paul was applying it to was the fact that, you know what? He's like, I can be content. I can be happy when things are good, when things are bad. Paul found joy when he was in prison. He found joy when he was preaching revivals too. Paul found joy where whatever his situation was, Paul was content, Paul was happy, Paul was fulfilled. You know why? Because those things come from Christ. And so it didn't matter the situation. And you've got people, well, I, I'd be a good Christian if I went to a church like yours. If I, if, you know, I'd be a good Christian if our church was more exciting, if our preacher preached like you, if we had as many soul winners, if we had as much of this that you have over at your church going on. I'd be a good Christian in a church like yours. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If you can't be a good Christian where you're at, you're not going to be a good Christian here. Just because all of a sudden you come to a place like this, it's not going to just transform your character. And that's one of the things, too. I like to make, you know, I, I wish I could make everyone understand, too, who, uh, you know, moves here. And I thank God for everybody that's moved here. But I, I always get nervous about it because I hate it. thought of somebody coming here and hating it. You know, that's, and so I'm always telling people, come visit first. Make sure, you know, this is what you want. But I also, I don't want people to think that just moving here is just going to magically fix everything in their family. I do think we'll be a help. I do think you'll get a lot of encouragement here. But, but at the end of the day, it's on you. If your family is going to turn out good, at the end of the day, it's on you. And I've known churches in the past, too, who, that were known for their preaching on family and things. And they had people from all over the country move to these churches thinking this place will fix my messed up family. And then those messed up people messed up normal people in the church. And it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to get those people out of here. You know, I do, I do want to help people, but I don't want people to just think that it's things are just magically going to be better because you go to this church. No, you are going to have to step it up. You're going to have to learn to be faithful 
in the little things as well as the big things. And if you're not able to do that um, anywhere, you're not guaranteed to do it. I, I, I think there's some bonuses. I think there's some advantages you know, to coming to a church like this. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But at the end of the day, God expects you to be able to do it anywhere. And those watching on YouTube, wherever you're at, you better figure out how to find contentment and fulfillment where you're at. And it's not going to magically come if you move here. I think we'll help in some areas, but you should be able to do it wherever you're at. I'd like to think I'd be a good Christian anywhere. I'd like to think I can move out to Wyoming where like there's no people and still be a good Christian. I'd like to think that. I don't know. You know I, don't, I don't want to, but I, I'd like to think I could. But the last thing real quick. So you should ask yourself too, you know, if you're a balanced Christian, is are you helping and encouraging others to do the same things. Okay. Proverbs 20 verse 6 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. You know, we should all be working to help others be faithful. Most people, again, they're looking for that place that they can go where they, they can surround themselves with people that can help them. And then often, people that are like that too, they, get, they come into a church and then, oh great, I like these people here. These people, uh, you know, I fit in good with them. They make me happy. I'm pleased to be around them. But then, if, if you have that attitude, you know what? You're going to have all kinds of problems when the new family comes that clash with you. And there are people that are like that too. They've just left the church because there was somebody in the church they didn't like. You know what? Good riddance to those people. You know, we're supposed to be long-suffering forbearing one another that means people aren't always going to be easy to get along with there's always we should always have some knuckleheads and pain in the necks in the church we should always have a village idiot all right we should never know who it is for sure uh but and we shouldn't try to figure out who it is but just understand that's the way it should be and a lot of people i don't even know why i go to that church they got this person they got that person you know what get over it get over it you know you go be a help to that person you go be a blessing to them you be an encouragement. You know, we should be willing to be working and helping others. We should welcome judgment. I don't want to go to a church where I get judged. Everybody judges me. And, you know, I, and, I, and I get part of that. But, you know, I like what it says in 1 Corinthians 4. 1. It says, let a man so account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me... It is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. You know what? That's great. If you are misjudged in the church, if people think wrong about you, you know what? Just stay faithful. Just stay at it. God's going to make it manifest who is right in the end. You know what? That encourages me right there. That makes me want to stay faithful. That doesn't make me want to run from my problems. That doesn't make me want to run from judgment. Okay, watch. I mean, you know, because, you know, sometimes too, you do, you know, it gets a little annoying sometimes dealing with all the judgment I get. But at the end of the day, what gets me through most judgment that I received, and not for people in the other church, you all are a blessing, but from, from the outside stuff, is this is my heart. I know God will make manifest. 
Okay, listen. For those out there who think I'm a wolf, if I'm a wolf, God will make it manifest. And if I'm not, He will make it manifest. And you know what? I personally find comfort in that. Obviously, this person, he's saying, they're saying things about you and people are believing it. Well, first off, I haven't got time to go fix everybody's thoughts on me. You know, and, but second of all, God will make it manifest. And you know, I'm, I'm carnal like anybody else. You know, and the truth is, the bigger these, some of these people make it look like I'm a wolf, the bigger the I told you so I'm going to get when it all goes down. Especially when some of the people are about to be exposed themselves. You know, and I do, man. You know, it, it, it is. It's, it's these things that help me sleep at night and just say, you know what? It's going to be found out. Hey, watch it out there, some of y'all. Man, it, it's coming for them. It's coming. It's going to be bad. And you know what? When it, that happens, I'm not going to say I told you so. Because I don't think we should be like the Edomites and rejoice at the destruction of our enemies. That's wrong. And so when my enemies go down, I am not going to rejoice. I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm going to say it before. And I'm saying it now. Because <laughs> after it goes down, I've I got to shut my mouth. i got to keep it quiet. So I just need, I need to get that out there before, before it's too late, before it's already exposed. And then I, I just got to shut my mouth. Right? And uh, so anyway, but James 3 says, verse 1, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man that is able to bridle the whole body. What he's saying right here is, you know, um, if you're a master, if you're somebody who's in leadership, that's just greater condemnation that you're going to get. You know, you, but at the same time, if you're somebody who is able to just con, uh, not be offensive, if you're, like, if you're somebody who can control your tongue, then you're somebody who's able to bridle the whole body. You're somebody who actually has has proven that you can be counted on. I mean, so if you're able to control your tongue, you're a strong person. You know, if you're somebody who can rule over your own spirit, you're like one that takes the city. If you're able to do that kind of thing, you are somebody that can be counted on. And so, but the thing is, he says, you know, when you're, if you're, um, you'll receive that greater condemnation. There's greater trouble that you can get yourself into. But you know what? There's also greater rewards too. And so I'm not necessarily looking to be a master of all these different things. I'm not going out looking for that. But if an opportunity comes to actually do something, you know, and, and have responsibility, I'm going to take it. You know why? Because there's great rewards that come with it. But if I'm somebody, if I can't even control my tongue, if, I'm, if I can't control my emotions, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to be somebody that anybody's going to want to use. So what we've got to understand What's going to make this church a great church? It's not going to be a bunch of talented hotshots that just blow in, blow up, and blow out. That's, that's not going to make us a great... You know, what's going to make us a great church is not us just having a really great year. Great. We did good in... We had a great year in 2020. You know, that doesn't automatically make us a great church because if we just have a few good years... You know, we need to be in this thing for the long haul. We need to be in this thing for the long term. So we got to be faithful across the board. We've got to stay focused on the Lord during good times and bad times. And that, folks, that means all of you. And whatever it is you do in this church, whatever it is you're involved in, it's about being faithful 
across the board. Be faithful when it's exciting. You know, I mean, everybody wants to come to Wednesday night when I'm preaching through Revelation. But what if I decide to preach in First Chronicles? Okay, you know, you should be faithful then too. I get it. I'd rather preach on Revelation than Chronicles. But I'm supposed to preach the whole Bible. You know, and yeah, I, on Sunday nights I've been hitting controversial stuff for a while. And that's fun to listen to. But, you know, tonight, uh, I don't even remember what I'm preaching tonight. I can only focus on one message at a time. I don't think it's going to be that controversial tonight. I hope you don't get bored and fall asleep. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to get, is, I'm probably not going to get a lot of attention you know, like I did from the other ones, you know, but that's not what it's about. This is, you know, what I've got for tonight is what I feel like we need right now. And at the end of the day, just being faithful in those little things, that is the key. That is what's going to make the difference. Faithful in the little things. Don't be the spiritual adrenaline junkie. You're going to burn out. You're going to burn out and you're, you're going to be done. We need you all for the long haul. So that let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that this message will uh, have an impact on all of us. Lord, I am thankful for the people here, for the faithfulness and just the uh, excitement here, the spirit that's here. And Lord, I just pray that um, you'll use this to help just maintain that. Uh, I pray that we will uh, apply these things in our heart. I pray that we will be uh, balanced Christians, help us to uh, you know, focus on those things that are more important. And uh, not be like the Pharisees and just doing outward things for a show. And I would thank you uh, for your help you give us. In your name we pray. Amen.